Hello everyone and welcome to episode 122nd of Career Podcast. Our today's guest is Mr. Benjamin Baumhauer, also known as Bean, Bind, I think, if I'm not mistaken, sorry about that. He's a freelance digital artist and illustrator and pro- product design teacher from Stuttgart, Germany. Now, with that quick introduction out of the way, let's just jump into the first question that I ask everyone. Give us a little, little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design. Yeah, hi everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, it's um, it's I'm one of these guys, I guess, who got into the whole drawing thing as a kid, like really early. I was like, I remember when I was in in kindergarten. You know, the the teacher would contact my parents and say, like, would be like amazed. Oh, look what this what your son has done. You know, he couldn't like. Um, fathom a kid at that age drawing well because it doesn't happen a lot but for me it was like my parents would sit down with me and you know show me you know do do cardboard folding stuff and uh just drawing all kinds of colors and and that and and somehow it spoke to me like very early on so i i i have a I think I'm a naturally patient guy. So when I was like eight years old, nine years old, uh, I was doing for a school, uh, you know, uh, project. I was like drawing a hundred dinosaur pictures, and you know, you you cannot usually bring a kid to draw a hundred of anything, you know, be consistent like that. But but somehow it 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 works for me. Somehow I could always, you know get lost and then just sit there and you know keep drawing forever and then of course when i became a teenager it was the whole uh that was in the 90s and it was the whole comic stuff you know and now we have japanese comics and american comics and we have spider-man and we have you know um apple seed and akira and all this japanese stuff and you you would want to emulate that so i would i would try to draw comics in my teens which of course going there you know jumping into that cold water is is really hard to do so so you're confronted with all that stuff that you cannot do so drawing in perspective oh shit can't do that so you would like copy the characters uh, uh from from famous uh, comic artists and uh, and basically go from there so that's that's how i got into it Oh, pretty interesting. And might I ask, what were some of your, you know, favorite comic books that you really enjoyed when you were a kid in the nineties? I think, as you said. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot because I'm not a comic fan, and I don't, re- I don't read comics nowadays. I didn't read comics uh, maybe for twenty years. So um, it was really for me a teenage thing. So uh, I. Um, I remember uh, guys like James O'Barr who did The Crow. I remember uh, guys like um, uh, Akira Toriyama, you know, the Japanese guys. Um, what is, what's what's the, the author of Appleseed? Um, uh, I don't know. Masamu Neshiro, yeah. So guys like that, um, they they would like they already had the cyberpunk the sci-fi figured out you know they were drawing that and that i, I like that um of the japanese style comics and what i liked is that they had their own style you know 
because if I look at uh, at the Japanese style, like the past 20 years, it's becoming really generic. Um, so of course you have still guys like Akira Toriyama, they stick around, they still work, they still have their own style and you can distinguish it. But um, a lot of stuff, you know, because you're now get, getting flooded with that anime stuff and, and, and all of that. And it, a lot of stuff really looks like it's coming out of a factory at, to me at least you know to be fair yeah i mean i can definitely like you know see that and um speaking of like let's flash forward this some years later right when you were in high school or maybe you know during your teenagers you know you were probably like you know at some point your parents and teachers had to start having the talk with you that all right you need to think for your future and just you know think what job you want to you know go have and specialize in some stuff like that so my question is were you originally studying art and design or you were pursuing another career path like in the beginning you know no 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 you i i think because i'm from germany and uh in germany we we don't have that entertainment industry is not especially like in the early 2000s it was not that big you know you're not just becoming an comic artists or you're not just joining a game studio in germany in the 2000s that that's like doesn't happen you know that's that's not you have to go abroad to do that so i couldn't do that and 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 of course yeah so there there was no not no real chance of doing that and also i would not know how to do it because even when i was 20 i didn't know anything about you know um drama or you know um layouts um how to design stuff other than just drawing it because if you want to be a comic artist you need to be good at layouting you need to be good at writing you need to be good at it's in a sense graphic design so you're not just doing that and uh unless you're doing naive comics you know very childish stuff but if you want to do high level stuff you need you, you, you not only need to be good at drawing, but also at, at layouting and, and all uh, the other stuff. So, so originally I did not, I, I wanted to go to art school and, and that was hard because in a good art school in Germany, uh, at least at the time uh, in Stuttgart, it was a state art school. And this art school would give you a real degree. Not like a private school where you go there, you pay money, and then, you know, they give you like a bullshit certificate that you attended it. And that in, in the U.S., this is kind of intertwined with uh, with a degree. But in Germany, that's not the case. You either get a real degree or you have a fake degree. <laughs> so, and uh, of course, um, getting into a school where you can get a real degree is really hard because there's like, they have like 20 places, but 500 people signing up for, for, for those places, you know? So, uh, so you need to present the portfolio and then you need to do examination. And, uh, uh, and I did that and then they, uh, rejected me the first year. So I had to think, you know, do, do I really want to do that? So I, I studied some other stuff in between keep me busy and then reapplied the next year. And then I got in and then I started to study um, communication design, like graphic design. So that's my major. I'm a graphic designer. Mm. Like, 
That's interesting. That's like one of those major cliches you see in different artists when they, at first, you know, just for the sake of like having a better stable future in terms of income and stuff like that, they stay first, you know, encounter with graphic design first, then they enter it and they realize, oh, it's not that much fulfilling. So then they actually start learning the fundamentals of art and they, some of them might become concept artists, some of them go to 3D, you know, you know, but it starts with the notion of like, you know, having a stability, but you know, we're actually like, you know, so lucky to be living in this age right now that the entertainment industry has never been, is bigger than ever. And there's so much, so many opportunities for anyone to learn everything from internet and just like you know sometimes you have to pause and take it like you know moment and think about this stuff even just 10 years ago it wasn't like this that much yeah that's true that's true because you know when i when i started studying in stuttgart it was in 2005 so um that's more than 10 years ago and uh it was i don't know how it is now but i imagine it was different so one thing i remember is that because I was an, I wanted to be an artist, right? So the first year I signed up not even for graphic design. I signed up for fine arts and they would reject me. They would say, yeah, your portfolio is good. We accept your portfolio. But then I had a, an oral exam and then I somehow failed that. And they don't tell you why you failed that. You just failed, you know? So next year I came back and I, I you know, I did some reconsidering and I said, it's hard to be an artist, you know, it's hard to make any money of being a fine artist. So why not try get into graphic design? And if you can't be an artist, at least you know how to do something else. So that was kind of my thinking at the time. And uh, yeah, I think it was a, it was a, it was a good decision. I learned a lot of shit that I couldn't do uh like typography and layouting and 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 all of that photography uh which i had no clue about i was just good at drawing and nothing else basically that's pretty interesting um no i was just thinking while you were speaking you said you started like you know your uh study in you know graphic design in stuttgart in 2005 and just for reference i was eight years old back then yeah right yeah I, 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 yeah, it's, um, and I was not even that young then, to be honest with you. I'm 40 now, so um, I was in my mid 20s. Um, but I remember one thing, and that is, might be really shocking. So, in terms of where the industry was at at that time, um, I was consuming back then already, you know, uh, I, I was into comics before and then I was into, uh, I liked the video games and game art and all of that. And then, uh, of course, the movies and stuff. And then I was like, shit, who designs all this stuff, you know? And I was uh, in, in university, I was um, I was getting in contact with, with some of, of those guys because there's some Germans like Hans Hillmann. Uh, they they did, which are really old guys, very old school guys, but they did concept art basically for Hitchcock movies, like The Birds, you know, and they would draw the scenes. And uh, this guy was at our school doing projects when he was like 80 years old. So, and, and, and those are like guys who made it, you know, out of Germany and into Hollywood and then do, do some real work with, with 
great um, directors. Um, and I was like, okay, then then now who's who is doing now the con- contemporary stuff like you know Star Wars and uh, new movies that come out? And and I stumbled across some of the the guys um, that do concept art to this day, basically, and they were also one of the pioneers, you know, like like Sparth, like uh, Ryan Church, like um, uh, what's what, what's what's his name? Uh, Ian, I call <laughs> I Ian only know. McQueen? His, uh, no, I think McQueen was the very old school by there, but there's another Ian uh, that is that he, he did the concept art on the Mandalorian and he's also an older guy, but his art is really great. So those guys, I came across them in the early 2000s and I looked at the art and I, I had one or two books from them, you know, that I ordered from the US and I was looking at the art and I had no fucking clue how they did it. You know, I was like, is this acrylic? Is this markers? I don't know. And what it was is it was digital art already, but I had no clue about digital art. So uh, I figured that out and I, I, I went online and I, I bought an Intuos 3 at the time. 2005 and I, I then I tried to figure out how to draw on an Intuos 3 uh, and nobody in the whole art school in Stuttgart had a vacuum tablet at that time so I was the only one so nobody could tell me shit on how to do it you know I was like uh, I remember there was a teacher who, who taught illustration and I would go to him and say ah, I have a graphic tablet now and he would say great and I said yeah but how do I do stuff? <laughs> and he was like, I have no clue. I do, I do it, you know, by hand. <laughs> so that was hard because you didn't have YouTube yet. So you, you could not just, you know, look it up. So it was a, a long process because I, I approached, you know, I um, tried to paint with a Wacom for like two, three years. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was just, I could not do what I was able to do analog you know uh, with the hand drawing and analog colors i would not be able to do anything good for like at least two three years because if you look at some stuff you know early stuff from you know ryan church for example like he did for the this the star wars um uh second trilogy you can't just look at that stuff in a book and say yeah i'm going to reproduce that no you it's it's too hard to do it's you need you need to reverse engineer the whole method you know and uh, that that's pretty hard to do it on your own yeah i mean definitely and speaking of like you know not having youtube back then like if you get so lucky back then to find like a random deviant art poster or some other like i don't know uh, just forum websites were, were super popular back then and you find some tutorial posts about something like how to set up and just you know do stuff with the tablet was just you know was like hitting the jackpot it's not like there's literally tutorial for anything on youtube like i've yes. recently started learning blender and for every little meta detail there's like an extensive 20 to 30 minute tutorial and it's it's awesome you know from making cables buttons anything no, it's definitely. I mean, the problem you have right now, if you go on YouTube, is a completely different one. And that is you have almost too much stuff and you have to separate the good stuff from the bad. And if you're a beginner, that's sometimes hard to do because you can't listen to everybody, obviously. And uh, 
Yeah, so th there's that. And also, as we know, in, in programs like Photoshop, there's like a million ways to do the same shit, you know? So what's the best way? Uh, there's people, you know, who like to colorize with um, like multiply layers. I think it's stupid, but there's tons of people who do it on YouTube like that. And they make tutorials like that. They have a million followers. And then, of course, you can't easily decide uh, which person you're listening to. Yeah, definitely. And um, well, um, just not to get off, get sidetracked from the course of the podcast. Let me just jump back to uh, jump back, jump back to the next question. Sorry for that stutter. Um, which is all right. Of course, we talked about like how you started. You first went into graphic design, but then you became a, like an illustrator and concept artist. But speaking of what you're doing right now, what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on right now? And tell us about your experience from the sort of it until now. Well, um, I I'm afraid I have no main branch. I'm I'm one of these weird guys, you know. Uh, as, as you mentioned it before in the introduction, I, I teach at art school uh, for a bachelor's and master's degree product design drawing, that is realistic drawing. Um, but of course, that's only, you only do that like one day a week or something like that, a few hours. Uh, and then what I do is I do a mixture of um, uh, illustration, like classic illustration for... Um, institutions and you know um stuff like um learning materials you know uh have um that that kind of stuff so um it's i would say it's modern illustration but it's still uh it's book illustration i did magazine work um uh oh this is the new vr you know and then you you draw you know a guy with a vr uh, glasses or you draw some um some uh, ancient architecture for uh, for a story in a magazine, you know, stuff like that. So I'm um, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, one of my one of my um, contractors is um, a bigger company that you might know is Zeiss, which they make the glasses and the oc oculars and and uh, so I I I help them develop um, uh, microscopes. So these huge, you know, operational microscopes that you have that look like spaceships. So I have to draw that, you know, in, in um, working together with engineers and, and, and they would give me data and I will have to, you know, um, um, make suggestions on how the thing would look because they, they have no idea how it could look. Um, so that's where the product design comes in. So, so I'm, I'm kind of a check of all trades and a little bit you see it also in my instagram where i i, I will sometimes um have a completely different style and then the next post will be a completely different style so that's 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 i find that interesting and uh, as a graphic designer and as an illustrator you need to i think have more than one trick unlike a concept artist if you're a concept artist which i also from time to time do there is some a certain style that you wouldn't consider it that's concept art right so even though it's not a, a very distinct style and concept artists are not all the same but you will almost never see a, a colored line drawing as a concept art you know that's that's really weird to see it's it's more of like um you have the typical um 
pseudo computer CGI like um, realistic uh, photo bashed and and stuff that looks like a shot from a game or a movie. You know that's that's what you think about when you think concept art, even though technically it could be anything, right? But that's not what you see. Uh, so. Um, so yeah, I, I do all this stuff at the same time, basically. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, yes. last year I did some microscopes, did some magazines, did some, some sponsored work for, uh, for, for some, um, painting programs, you know, tutorial stuff, uh, uh, whatever comes along. So, and I'm glad it works out because, um, there were different times when I would work just for a company doing graphic design and I got really bored the shit out of because I'm not that person. I'm, I need, you know, I need uh, some kind of an artistic freedom. If you just give me documents to, to, to design all day, uh, I'm going to lose my mind. So. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's kind of uh, funny because actually my yesterday's guest on the podcast, I mean, of course, I haven't uh, uploaded his episode yet and I'm, and I'm not going to drop his name now just not to, you know, make a spoiler. But he was also a gener- generalist like you and he was actually kind of successful, which is actually just counterintuitive to the meta of the art world right now. It is. You know? And I'm aware of that because I'm not nowhere near, you know, having a lot of money or anything. But, you know, I'm always saying at least I do what I like to do. So, um, that's, yeah, for sure. It is counterintuitive because if you focus on one thing and you're really good at that thing, it's much easier to grow an audience for sure. Yeah. All right. And speaking of like, you know, your workflow and stuff like that, how does your design process usually go anytime you want to start working on a project? Like how does the structure of the pipeline from start of finish of your, like, you know, uh, f- a flow chart of your like you know process looks like could you please explain that to us sure um i would say that it it depends a little bit on the project and on the the style that you have in mind for the solution so if you're if you're shooting for a line drawing as a final product you would maybe approach it differently than if you it is a, a concept art so um in the in the free concept arty stuff that I show a lot on my, on my accounts. Um, it's, it's kind of a chaotic approach. Um, because I, I, I really think a lot about an image. Um, I, I, in my mind, I first, I, of course you need to generate the idea. So, um, and coming up with the idea is a whole, it's a whole process in itself, you know, how, how do you do it? I like to do it, not look at anything and then just generate it out of my mind and then make a quick sketch, uh, maybe a grayscale sketch or just a line drawing. And even I do it a lot by hand, you know, just on paper with a pencil and I have a scanner right here and I scan it uh, just to, to archive it. Uh, and uh, because I think that uh, an idea it needs to work in a simple fashion you know if it doesn't then it's probably not a good idea so and it's what i also tell my students if you like have an idea and in a simple fashion if you put it down on paper it doesn't look good you should not think mm, it probably will look good once i put 20 hours into it and it has all the details because usually that's not what happens if the idea is not good in a primitive fashion then it's also not good 
as a final product. So for me, it needs to, I, I, I feel that out by doing just little sketches until I feel that I have a really nice idea. And then, of course, this idea will not be very, very uh, intricate yet, but I can see it in my mind already what it's going to be. And sometimes I even post, you know, the process stuff in, if you scroll back in my Instagram, sometimes you see me posting like um, uh, a final image and then the next, you know, you flip over, you see the, the initial pencil drawing. And, uh, and a lot of people don't get it because they think, oh, it's just, it's, it's a shitty pencil drawing. And I sometimes will even write that, you know, as the comment, I would say, I'm not a shitty pencil drawing. But of course, the artist guys get it uh, because that's the way you think up stuff if you don't just want to copy the stuff that is out there already, you know. So for me, it's, it's critical to isolate myself uh, from 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 stuff that might corrupt my my ideas and then i come up with something and then you know if if my idea needs a nice tree then i might go on on the internet and look up how nice trees look like you know and then uh, but i don't want the internet to dictate me what i draw so uh, i want i want it to come from like within my own um at first and then of course if you if you start uh, doing the final piece in, in Photoshop uh, or whatever program you choose, you I like to then have a more chaotic approach because then I know I have the idea, and when I have the idea, I get in a in a way I get my freedom back. So then I can experiment with shapes and colors, and then I find something sometimes in a in a pretty chaotic way that will then make the final image. But the final image you will still see that it's still the same vision as in the initial little pencil drawing. You know. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, actually, I was checking your Instagram as well. You know, the thing you said is kind of true. You had the pencil sketches and. The final version at the same post. I mean, it usually usually when people try to post stuff like that, they first post the like the final product, then they add the like the uh, the secondary stuff next. Uh, I think that's yeah. kind of like a better strategy in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, you're I have also right. done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's a better strategy because you cannot <laughs> persuade anybody with with that uh, with that sketch. But I just find there's. There's real value in primitive yes, stuff. Absolutely. In the composition, the perspective, like these are like, if you don't know the basics, you can't even do it basically, like it doesn't matter. But I mean, yes, as I said, only definitely. the artists would get it. And social media, especially something like Instagram, is brutally just, you know, superficial. So, yes, it is. Yeah, if you can't catch someone's attention for like a half a second, it's gone. They, they'll move, move on to the next one, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing that um that i'm completely aware of that so as a as a designer i i i understand what people want to see it's just that i don't want to do it all the time you know so if you want to be really successful with on instagram what you do is you you do nice pencil drawings of cats and then you do one every day and you will get a million followers no but actually i've I thought about that a lot. Like, you know, what's the most technically speaking, technically the most appealing and how fast, if you wanted to go zero to hundred real fast on social media, regardless of, you know, whether you like it or not, just make, make drawings of pretty girls with pretty colors and bright colors. Or that's, that. Yeah. Or that. It. Sure. Sure. Literally. So you're going to grow so fast. 
Yeah, but then I don't, you know, you have to want to be this guy to keep yeah. doing that because then you're this guy. And then if you post a spaceship, everybody, you know, then everybody unfollows you. Yeah. So then you're the, the, the nice girl guy. So, and that's By not the way, for me. There's nothing wrong if you want to keep posting drawings of nice girls with pretty No, colors. for it's sure. Fine. But, you know, that's just, I'm just saying technical in terms of, you know, technicality no, of no. Like how social media is. But, yeah, I mean, as long as you're having fun with what you're doing, I mean, you probably shouldn't care or don't care by default of, like, you know, whether how much followers or stuff or the statistics of your, you know, work, basically. Because as yeah, long as you're happy, that's that's enough. That That's fine. And you don't need to be an artist in that sense. But for me, it's like if you're an artist, you don't analyze what's the best and then do it. You do what speaks to you because yeah. otherwise it's, yeah, it's going to work, but it's not an artistic approach. Yeah, definitely. And all right, let's change the subject up a bit. Um, all right. What was the first art job paycheck you ever got and what was it for and how did you feel at the time when you got it? First art job? Art job paycheck. Like My first paycheck you ever okay. gotten through the way of art, basically. Something yeah, like I remember that. And that was like every art job you, like every first art job you would get is vitamin B <laughs> is involved. So uh, you guys say that. Do you know what that means? Vitamin B? Vitamin B? No, I'm sorry. I'm you say that lost. in Germany. And what it means is you have connections. <laughs> ah, why B? Is that a German yeah, because of a German? Word? Yeah, because the German word for connections starts with a B. That's right. You would you would say vitamin C in in English, oh, yeah. like no, vitamin no. connection. Just out of curiosity, basically. what's the word? The word is Beziehung. Beziehungen. Beziehung. Connections, right? We learned some German today. Yeah, All right. All right, I'm listening. No, so yeah, I was I was uh, I was 16 when that happened. So it was in the 90s and there was a guy who was um, a, he was a professor at a university for um, for new media, you know, for the new stuff like computers, <laughs> the Internet, you know, Internet has just, you know, basically started, I think, uh, at that time. Uh, so nobody had a clue about that stuff. Uh, he would be like. Um, teaching, uh, teaching young students who would become teachers themselves, you know, in, in, in public schools and he would teach them about computers. So that was his thing. So he, he was the, the guy for the new media. So he, he wrote a book and he wanted to publish the book and to make the book a little bit more attractive. He wanted some illustrations for the book. And, uh, this guy he was a friend of the family, basically. So, and he knew I could draw. And uh, so he was like, okay, give this kid a, a chance, basically, to illustrate the book. Do like 10, 12 drawings for the book. And, uh, you know, um, if it turns out well, he would take it. If it, you know, if it doesn't, then, well, too bad. So I did that. And then that, that turned out to be okay for you know my age and the time and everything and, and those were pencil drawings and uh i got paid a little bit like of course you don't get paid like a, a huge check but that was not the thing i was i was stoked that i would do a illustrate a book that would actually 
people would see it you know because that's that's uh, kind of a big deal when you're uh, when you're uh, that young so that was the first thing all right interesting and um all right let's jump into some general questions that uh, i've prepared for you to talk about and all right first things first it's been exactly 32 minutes now that we've been talking on this podcast and throughout this 32 minutes we've said the word meta like i think seven or eight times all right now that the reason i mentioned that is because i want to ask you about the metas in art and how usually like you know in today's art world like you know that metas are not really specific and in terms of like you know culture for artists like you see like you know i i think as you said previous before we started recording that's you know there's uh not some sometimes they're not really clear-cut metas to follow and it sometimes could cause problems could you please uh, elaborate on that well that's it's it's um i think that's it's kind of a difficult subject because in order for um a meta to work or to really guide you i think you need to be very aware of what you're doing um, for example, you could, you could, um, and a lot of great artists have metas. If you like, look at Picasso, you know, the whole cubist style thing, it's like a meta in itself. And, and God only knows how he came up with that, you know, uh, uh, to draw people in, in rectangular shapes and stuff like this. This is like, uh, a filter in your mind, you know, and that's, I think how you should perceive any any meta is like for you a way to develop something um an idea and then that idea becomes uh it influences the whole process basically uh, and and therefore also your final result and people do it subconsciously but i wouldn't call that a real meta because if you do it subconsciously you just imitate something. You just, oh, this looks good. I'm doing it like this because this guy is, does it like this and this guy is really successful. So, you know, then you don't really have a game, a real, uh, your own meta. So your own meta to develop it, I think it's kind of, um, that's that's part of your job as an artist and it's what makes you interesting. And you can see that uh, in, in, in good artists, uh, when you look at the development, like there's a, there's a one meta and then, uh, you know, for example, um, in the early days, it was just like, oh, uh, we're drawing in Photoshop and it, it looks pretty good. It looks like a real oil painting, you know, and I can do layers. So I have an advantage over the original oil painting, you know. So it was like a technical thing. And then people started, okay, to realize that this is easy and this is, uh, this is kind of... Um, uh, there's more to digital art than that. And then you have, uh, uh, you have, uh, people developing shape languages like Andrew Jones, you know, like he would do a live event and then listen to techno music and then do shapes and do a spacey scene, you know, uh, and you could call that a meta for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, but also in other styles, it will, you will, I think if you do a lot of Photoshop, but, uh, what, uh, digital art, uh, you will realize that in a program, you think completely different about your process than you do when you do it on paper. So, and for me, that's part of the whole thing because um, there is there's a, uh, 
I would say there's a, a meta to your approach. For example, I I do I do dark sci-fi stuff, and I I like to interpret it in that way, just as an example. Um, uh, and and then, but there's another thing, another meta, and that is the technical part. That is how you translate that to your layers in Photoshop, and 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 the the technical choices that you make will influence the outcome strongly. You know, it it's. Uh, if you work a lot with clipping masks, it will show. If you work a lot with, you know, uh, with uh, overlay layers, it will show, right? All of that stuff matters in, in a sense, and it becomes your style. And you don't have that on paper because on paper it's just this brush and then this color, and then you mix it. So you're much more limited and there's much less room, I think, to develop a technical uh, meta, so to speak. All right. And um, let me also tell the listeners and or the viewers of the podcast something interesting. And on I think like about, about it was about like a month ago that I went to an exhibition that was held on Istanbul. And I think it still will go on till the 25th of March of 2022. Um, I, I uh, it's in Para Museum of Istanbul. I will post it on the stories of the podcast. So, you know when I upload this episode, so you know you don't have, guys have to worry about the details. But I but I don't have but I don't have it in my head right now. But basically, there was this artist that I that I've been following for a long time, and I really liked her works. And one of her pieces was going to be showed and exhibited there. So I went there, and of course, I didn't just go there just to see one piece. I started to you know check out other pieces, and. One particular piece that really took, uh, like, you know, my eyes and attention was the piece you're going to see, I think, in the, like, you know, the corner here in the time lapse in the YouTube section. Sorry for audio listeners. Um, I'll post it in the first po- introduction post of the Instagram uh, post uh, of today's episode as well. So you guys don't have to worry. It's basically a retro sci-fi version of the future of, like, you know, Constantinople, Istanbul. And there's this like Hagia Sophia mask in like a futuristic version. And I, I kind of liked it. It looked cool, you know. And here's a weird thing. I checked everywhere, but there was a no, there was no proper like, you know, introduction of artists on the side of pieces. And like the only way I could find it, like, you know, artists of the like, you know, work was your, you know, uh, art name bind, I think, uh, at the bottom of the, like the painting, like in like a really low hue type of color yeah 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 Yeah. and i was like i'm just gonna put it in google and see what comes up and i kind of i found a page you know fortunately and you know now we're talking now right first things first first i want to ask you you know how did you came up with the idea or what happened was this uh, like a uh, commission or something and the second part of that is how did they contact you that they wanted to you know just kind of put it on exhibition and how the process go just the whole story, basically. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> that's a weird one because I was I was surprised by that too because there was a guy writing an email to me by the name of Osman something, you know, a guy from Turkey, and he was like, "Yeah, we're having an exhibition here in Istanbul, and uh, I came across that work of yours, and I want to put it in the exhibition. And uh, what do I need to do to?" <laughs> um, so, uh, and I was like. I didn't know about any exhibition, you know, <laughs> I was not aware. So he, he explained the whole uh, thing that it's about, you know, Byzantism and uh, how it influences pop culture and, and all of that. So I found it interesting. And of course, um, 
of course I would agree because why wouldn't I? It's the piece was not, uh, to answer that question, the piece was not done for the exhibition. Piece was done and it's not a commission either. So it was done just for myself, you know, uh, out of my self-interest because I, I come across uh, photography once in a while and I like photography as an inspiration for, for art because photography works a little bit differently and uh, it doesn't give you a style because it's just reality, right? So, um, of course, there's some tricks in photography too, but it doesn't give you a clear style. So you're kind of doing the translating uh, by yourself. So a lot of times I would even look at, at bad photography, you know, snapshots, and then uh, see something in there and then just take a little part of it and, and, and then make that the subject of uh, an image that has almost nothing to do with it but but for me that's an inspiration so so and that in in that case that was i think a distant shot of the hagia sophia in in istanbul and then i i for me it was like okay why not um translate that into a futuristic scene and then change things up and then i played around with this uh, in the office and I came up with a with a simple black and white picture that looked appealing to me. So then, that's why I did the image. It's just it's not not a commission like many pieces that I show on Instagram. Because what what it is is like um, a lot of projects I do uh, that I mentioned, like uh, product design uh, for companies like Zeiss. You cannot show that because you're under NDA, right? So uh, and also what use would it be for me to show off, you know, uh, uh, you know, microscope designs on Instagram? I don't, um, I don't want to go there necessarily career wise, you know, that, that will never happen. That is not a path. So you kind of also show up what interests you the most, which is what you will see. So a lot of stuff on Instagram is, is, uh, that I show off is done in my free time. Or is partially, you know, a commission. Uh, and if it is, and there's something attached, I will also mention that. So in this this image, um, yeah, it was just out of interest, and then they put it into the exhibition, and it was was interesting because this guy then he ran me through the process and he said, "Listen, we can pay you this much, you know, for the image as a license fee, and uh, it will be in the catalog, which they send me over. I have it already here, which is uh, a nice." really thick book you know so i didn't even know the scope of the of the exhibition but now that i have the catalog it's like um, yeah it's pretty cool i have to say so and here's the thing something that i've been like intriguing me like especially since like two minutes ago because i just realized something uh i've always like i'm on a lookout to research and figure out basically how social media and this stuff usually works you know how we get in contact and jobs work, you know, when usually the way they work is you use the correct hashtags and you maybe enter like an art comp online art competition or something, a niche art competition, and someone finds you that way. <clears throat> but I checked, I checked the hashtags on both your art station and Instagram of the same post and your art, they're a bit different. Like on our station, you don't have anything maybe, oh yeah, do you have Neo Constantinople? And Middle East, that's, that's all it could relate to, like, you know, Hagia Sophia or Turkey. And for Instagram, here's the interesting thing. You also added the Neo-Constantinople, you know, hashtag. And I checked, I was like, oh, maybe that's a popular hashtag. And imagine on the whole platform of social, social media of Instagram, how many times it was used. Twice. 
Okay. And I, and yeah. I, I was kind of amazed. How did they find it? I don't know. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's something that's really that's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad that it happened because I, I managed yeah. to you know find yourself you know and we're talking. Like I'm not complaining, but it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, when you think no, about for it. sure. It is interesting, and I like to use hashtags very chaotically. You know, I like okay this that uh, and the other, and sometimes you because sometimes I blank out. You know, I I'm done. Uh, with some uh, with work it's late and i i post it and the last thing you do is you write the hashtags and i'm like what the fuck should i write about this <laughs> and i was like okay constantinople this that spaceship um and and i don't really have you know a hashtag game the only thing i know is that on instagram you need a lot of hashtags to be you know be able to 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 get somewhere on art station is completely different because on art station you, you can do almost without hashtags because they have their category set up already and you're already showing up in the feed and it's not that many people like in Instagram, you're not competing with like um, the pretty girls and all of that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I get it. But still like, here's the thing. I mean, you probably know this as well. Um, and a lot of people are listening to the podcast. They probably know it as well, but uh, a lot of top companies in the world have all, they have talent scouts all the time online looking for, you know, potential people to hire or, you know, commission from Netflix, Marvel, Sony, like all of them. They have like, you know, and if your art is actually niche and good and polished and quality, and it shows that the person who's doing that, working on that meta, that subject we spoke about earlier, uh, they will contact you. But yeah, it, it, it's not like, you know, fairytale. It, it actually happens. Yes. So, you know, and here's the thing. Here's a kicker. The way they usually find the you know people to commission is through hashtags, correct hashtags, you know, because like for example, imagine a, a studio wants to hire like a 3D modeler from Mix, all right? They go through those hashtags. They're not gonna just randomly waste their times on different like just all, all the content on Instagram. They try yeah. to optimize their process. So to optimize their process, they use hashtags. And uh, actually, yours was an exception that I've heard by now. Maybe, of course, I haven't heard that much stories, you know, as I would like to, you know, just assume I, I should. But yeah, since you didn't use a correct in- hashtags or not even popular hashtags and still got the result, I mean, it's kind of fascinating. It, it makes well, you think, actually, about it. It does. It does. Uh, but I have to say, you know, um, there's, of course, coincidences and, uh, and, uh, also, it's 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 kind of hard to say because then say you use a popular hashtag, now you're one in a million, you know. So and that's not so good because uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Then you're kind of anonymous again. So I like to at least throw in some hashtags which I made them up almost, you know, so that that they're not so common. And then yeah, but also you know you, you have to admit that I'm not doing it. I'm not having an online presence for that long because I didn't need one. And I was, you know, at other companies employed before. So I, I joined the game really late. So, um, and I'm not highly, you know, I'm not highly successful either. You know, I, I don't have, you know, like um, thousands and thousands of followers or anything. So, so I think you, at the end of the day, some, some of your pieces, you know, will make all of your success. 
Like 99% of or 90% of your content does nothing, you know, it just evaporates. And then you have one piece that really speaks to people and you cannot anticipate what that piece will be. And all of a sudden it's like you get reshared, you get, you know, uh, people share it, people like it, and uh, you get uh, this influx of, of followers. And I think that's that's the thing you need to. And so at the end of the day, in a way, quality will still play its part. It's just very hard to only make it through quality. <laughs> that's yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. And um, who? All right. Let's jump into it. I just have to give a warning. The next question is usually what I heard by other guests that is considered one of the hardest questions of the podcast. Don't worry, okay. it's nothing personal. Bring it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who are your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? I think you can see why that's a hard question. Yeah, it is. Um, and I would say that I don't have many because I don't... I don't consider myself ever to be a fan, you know, of some somebody. Uh, I might be a, a fan of their work or like their work, but it's kind of a, for me. Uh, and and you also see that because if you if you look how many people I follow, the answer is pretty much almost nobody. <laughs> and that's not because I hate people, you know. It's it's because I think it's a it's kind of a dishonest practice to go on Instagram and say, yeah, I follow 10,000 people. I, I like them. That's bullshit. You don't like 10,000 people. You like maybe 30 people. And then the rest of them, you follow them because you want something back. And that I think, or, you know, just for, uh, I want it to be honest. If I follow you, then that means I really want to see what's up. And I expect the same from, from my followers. So, um, where was I getting at? The artists uh, that you really admire yeah, the artists that you. that you like. So, so naturally, I don't and 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 I think you know one of the to preface that that answer a little bit is that um, there's something problematic with trying to emulate your favorite artist, and that is you become a a, a cheap copy of that guy. And I fear that a lot. I don't want to be that. So therefore, there's people I ad ad I admire and that I maybe have been uh, uh, following, um, not really following, but on and off. So, um, so the first the first guy that left an impression, or the first two guys that left an impression on me, were were guys like uh, like uh, Giger, the alien designer. Right. Uh, or I mentioned before, you know, Masamu Nishiro, who did like sci-fi, uh, Japanese uh, sci-fi manga comics. Right. So um, it would draw robots and stuff. And and I tried to emulate the work, but I, I still wouldn't consider myself a fan of the guy. I was just really liking one part of his work a lot. And then that spoke to me. So I would say those guys for sure and then sometimes you know you get somebody who is really not doing what you're doing uh there's a photographer that i came across um in the early 2000s oh, what was his name he's doing he's doing real realistic photo photography and he's i think he's a new yorker um 
I think his, let me look this up. His first name is Joel. Uh, yeah, Joel Sternfeld is his name. So um, this guy is, is, is like, is like a, it's like a Cartier Présent type of photographer, right? Which is another great guy, of course, that everybody knows uh, uh, who, who did, you know, 100 years ago, did all the great, you know, um, press photography style, uh, you know, a, all over the world, basically. So I consider Joel Sternfeld to be a, a little bit like him. He, he, just, he just sees something in reality and he frames it so perfectly you know in a photograph that that it's just you know he doesn't need any post-production or anything it's just uh he just sees art in daily life and that's really it's really uh awesome i think because that's uh, when i when i go back to what i said earlier how i how i like this uh simple photography as a source of inspiration it's because it's kind of unfiltered you know and if you see it and you can you have all the freedom to interpret it any way you want there's no artist who already interpreted it for you so of course in 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 terms of his photography yeah he framed it for you for sure yeah he 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 thought about it but then you're also you're still free to interpret it's not like um it's not like the other guy, um, uh, uh, Richter, or what his name is, uh, who would do um, the serial photography, or you see Media Mart, you know the 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 the, uh, the um, what is it called? Um, supermarket shelves, you know, organized perfectly, or stuff like this, where there's very little room for interpretation. It's just you know a uh, uh, kind of a um play on shapes and uh very serial very binary designs so so those guys i like um but a lot of times i'm sure i like the work of people i don't even know their names and i also you know i believe in this uh uh you need to find your own stuff your own style so that's I like, you know, I like the digital artists, you know, one of the earliest, uh, of course, like Sparth, you know, it, but those guys are famous, you know, and then uh, they put out a book and it's, it's great, but it only brings you so far because the stuff you see in there is already highly stylized. It's highly developed by them. And you kind of, in a way, a book by Sparth to me it's not a good source of inspiration because the stuff that is in there is already kind of perfect. You know, you can't really do it better. You can just make a, a worse copy of it. And then, then what, you know? Yeah, exactly. And funny that you mentioned Sparth because he's actually one of my biggest inspirations in terms of like, you know, uh, digital art as well. Um, I even actually like, you know, this last summer um, before the whole, uh, inflation crisis in turkey before the dollar wasn't so expensive i actually bought one of his brush packs and model packs and i 
I to this day I love using them. They're so because literally, if you could sum up my you know interests when it comes to digital art, you could I could just say Sparf. Because what I like, I like science fiction, post-apocalyptic stuff, makes robots, spaceships, and buildings, and just arch arch environment design. And Sparf does all of that in a niche way. That's right. Yeah, he does it in his own way, and he still manages to to have huge success with that and to be kind of like a, a figurehead in that space because, uh, uh, and that's why, that's why I like to look at this stuff. It's not so much to, to be like, um, um, to try to, to, to imitate him, but you can see there's a certain kind of thinking outside the box in some people's work. And he's one of them, you know, uh, where you you approach stuff differently because if you look at stuff from him like 20 years ago it's completely different than the stuff that is like uh 10 years later and that's always a good sign to me because you can't you can't just stagnate and do the same shit all over like for 20 years it's it becomes old especially considering how young digital art is yeah, exactly. And um, all right, let's jump into another question and subject. What are you working on right now that you can tell us about? And I mean, of course, if there's no NDA involved in the process as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right now, there is. Um, right now, I just have. Um, because I managed to finish last year with pretty much no projects open, so that's that's good. I will have a, um, one two projects already that will start in January. Um, but yeah, those the stuff that you will actually see from me is pretty much now for the first part of of twenty twenty two is 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 going to be. Um, I think a backlog of, of private work, you know, like um, uh, more sci-fi images um, that that I have a, I have some good ideas that I that I you know have uh, uh, this backlog on my hard drive that <laughs> is ever growing, you know, like any artist. But I, I I'm I'm trying to. Um, to finish some work there and then uh, some stuff I'm actually exciting about, uh, excited about and uh, that I couldn't manage to finish uh, last year. Um, so that will be, uh, uh, yeah, will be the next uh, projects. There is, uh, uh, I'm talking to, to a game studio right now uh, for doing an indie game project, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, can't can't say too much about it. It's not because of NDA. It's just because they haven't outlined really the project to me yet. So I don't even know if I will end up taking it. You know, that's. Um, but yeah, that that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty much. Um, yeah, um, you will you will see um, more of my private experiments <laughs> in the next few weeks, I guess. All right, awesome. And the next question is, what area beside the area we're working on right now, which is, of course, in the field of art, in, if, if you want to speak generally, would you be interested to explore and learn in the future, given if you had like enough time, when you had some free time in the future or something, you know? Or let me rephrase this question another way. If you had like, you know, do you have any goals or ambitions in the back of your head that you've put off for a more stable time in your life? You know what I mean? And it's going to be something completely NARS related, by the way. 
No, I don't. Uh, the thing is that um, I kind of put off uh, art for some time in the past. So um, that's how I look at it. For me, it's like, yeah, I, I did some secure work. I did some, I did graphic design work, which was nice, which I learned something. And uh, I, I worked with other people, worked with architects, worked with engineers, did all of that, you know. So I know that I can do that. And that's the secure stuff. And I kind of left that behind to do what I'm doing now. And I don't plan on going back. And I, I don't, I'm not like, yeah, then later I will return and then be secure. I, I don't have these feelings at the moment. I'm, I'm just, um, because as you get, and I'm not old by any means, but I'm older, for example, than you are. So when you reach a certain, you know, development, you, you think like, yeah, but what, what do I really want to do? You know, because yeah, making money is fine, but uh, if making money is your main concern and security in your job is your main concern, you're not an artist. Like that's, in generally speaking, most likely you're not an artist because you can't have that, all of that, you know. Um, you need you need some, to take some risks do, to, to, to work in art because else you really, uh, you might be, you might be an illustrator and have a secure job and do, you know, educational books for 30 years but i would debate that that's an artist you know that it's um so um i try to not have this need for security right now in my life so that i can be in a sense free to do the art i really want to put out yeah that's yeah that's actually such a smart way to look at it also a smart way to get broke by the way <laughs> yeah i mean i get it but i think i assume for someone with the skills for someone with the skills that you have i don't think it should be that hard to find commissions or work like you know even freelance you know so but so you kind of you kind of i think can execute what you're doing right now if you have that kind of safety net of like having an actual resume or something behind you that you can switch back yeah. in time yeah, just yeah. need to make, mention that important note on that. No, but that's, I mean, I have, I have people that write me on ArtStation or, or on Instagram and say, hey, can you, uh, how do I do that? I, I want to get into art and do you have a tip for me, you know? And and it's not like it happens, you know, by the hundreds. Uh, and of course, you know, because I think my following is not reflective really of my of my work that I do uh, with, uh, with some uh, companies, you know? Um, but... Yeah, there's no good answer to that. There's no easy answer. You just you have to be willing to struggle is my answer. I think because I'm I'm still in a way I'm still struggling. I'm still, you know, I'm I'm still not like I can't I can't buy a house from my art like far from it. So, but I think you have to have your expectations in check, you know. If you're if you want to make a lot of money, you're not becoming an artist. That's not how that works. <laughs> So um, it, it kind of, you need to really want to do it, I think. And uh, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't just do it for some goal that is somewhere in the future. I think that's stupid to do, especially in art. Yeah, exactly. And it's something that I've been like, you know, actually thinking about recently a lot. Like 
it's not a new thing for me, but I've always like, you know, think about stuff like repeatedly just to understand them better. And um, I recently, I mean, I, I think I mentioned that I recently started to heavily as a learn Blender and I've been having a blast. Like I can easily not do any fun activities I used to do before and just work on it. And here's the thing. I got put in the position of being a beginner at something, at a skill. So I can understand the point of view of a beginner and how intimidating it is at the first and beginning. And here's, I can actually give an analogy right now and explain it away. Imagine, uh, by the way, sorry for audio listeners, I'm kind of trying to explain it on the, like the camera. So yeah, if you don't, if you might not understand what I'm saying, it's because of that. So imagine you're at top of a building and at the bottom, there's like a, like a mattress that you can jump on, you know, fall on, all right? And if you say that on top of the building is the starting point of your art journey and learning and everything, and the mat- and dropping on the mattress is like, you know, getting to where you, like, technically you you always have to keep going, but just bear with me. That And the jumping on the mattress is like, you know, where you want to be. There's two major ways, in my opinion. One is like, you know, take a course, start slowly, and it's like doing like a really smooth transitioning, like, you know, obstacle course to down. It's It might take a little bit of time. It's less struggly and, you know, you have a mentor with you. Or there's another method that I really like and enjoy and I've been doing it for most of my life or anything. Imagine, like, you know, all this, like, you know, pipes and stuff in uh, surrounding construction buildings, like those metal and pipe. You can just jump down and you keep bruising and breaking every single one of your bone while on your way down and you get to the mattress. And the reason I made the analogy is because all every single one of those pipes and metals you hit by is like, you know, learning bits by bit from different tutorials. Like, for example, you set a goal for yourself. I'm going to make a spaceship in Blender, right? So what do I need to learn? How to first, how to work with the user interface, then how to work with objects. What do I need? How to make a mesh? How to then later make UV texture maps? How to texture? What are material nodes? Then when you understand those stuff, it gets more meta. So you learn Blender through the lens of your scope of like, you know, goal. So it's kind of like that. It's, if you're actually motivated enough and are passionate, it can actually be, become faster to get where you want. But if you're not, uh, if you need uh, like a, but if, if it's absolutely fine if you want to go the other route and just, uh, that's actually kind of technically, I think in my opinion, long-term more uh, sustainable in some sense. Uh, like to take it the uh, long-term slow and just learn everything bit by bit, like fundamentally, it might be a little bit boring, but in general, I think it's a good idea as well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, um, but per, for me personally, I mean, the second method, as I explained, has been working for me. And I think, I hope the way I explained it kind of could illuminate some stuff for you in terms of learning. And do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, you, I think you develop your own, uh, everybody should, uh, or in art, it's so the approaches are so different that you need to develop your own theory of what you just did. You know, for you, it's jumping down the building, getting hit by all these, you know, obstacles. For somebody else, it might be a different analogy. But I think uh, it's it's all um, it, it has something in common. At the end, is that you need to get those influences and maybe be hit by them or maybe just also search for them sometimes uh, in order to to just um make yourself better at what you want so um and and it's not easy by the way to figure out what you want as an artist that's uh, i think that's one of the hard 
things to figure out because uh, a lot of students haven't figured that out at all. And, 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 and yeah, it's no wonder they haven't because I, I, I hadn't done that either uh, at the time. And I think your goal, you know, your matrix at the, at the, um, the bottom of the building is not stagnant. It's moving, you know, <laughs> in that sense. So your, your goal changes also over time. So as you get hit by those obstacles, you, you're, the point where you land might might change. Yeah, definitely. That's like a, also a good way to look at it. But yeah, I mean, for uh, like, I think basically what I explained would work mostly for beginner beginning phases of like you know learning something, in my opinion. But I mean, yeah, what I said is kind of true. Like you know, if if you don't lock down on the niche that you really like, uh, yeah, that could also become a real big problem because i used to suffer from that a lot and i kind of sometimes still do and um yeah that's a whole nother topic that to be honest i don't think i i, I i'm still a student in that so i i don't think i can give any tips aside the fact that just try as many different things as possible when it comes yeah. to mediums from subjects and try to even analyze your past see what you really draw liked and you know got you excited when you were a kid was it the robot cartoons was it i don't know history topics was it mythology stuff like what was it like try to stuff like that studies like that could be also helpful to find your niche yeah the thing is that i think what what people or beginners need to understand is that there is um if you do something right there's no real waste of time you know the only waste of time is you just not not struggling and then trying to you know trying to because what what we all strive at, uh, to be and uh, that is not only in art but also in in every aspect of life uh, you start that when you're a kid by imi- imitation you know so how do you learn a language you imitate right and then you end up uh, it, it ends up coming together and with art it's the same you 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 imitate first but you can't imitate forever because then you're just an imitator. You're not an artist, right? So you have to imitate for as long as it gives you something to learn. And when it stops, you have to break away from the imitation game and do something else. And whatever you do, you need to struggle with that to, to learn something again. And it, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a real problem that you don't know yet what you end up uh, wanting to do. It's a problem that you don't do it the right way because then you didn't learn anything. Because if you let, and that's that's a good uh, example. Uh, I learned about layouts in in art school, so I learned how to lay out a magazine by a guy who did like tw- magazine work for like twenty five or more years, and he was the art director of big magazines. So he would explain to me how he would, you know, put on a wall all these. Um, all the small, uh, like miniature layouts of the entire magazine and look at it like a storyboard. And it would make sense to him. And he would say, oh, this is the story. And it starts with a big headline. And then you have a picture on this side. And then the picture laps over to the next side. And then you turn the page. And then that's what happens, you know? So it's a real composition aspect in there. And the, the rules by which you compose are not so far removed from the rules in which you compose an image, you know? It's it's the same rules, just they apply 
to different to different media you know if you can if you can lay out a page in a magazine well that that also helps you to lay out an image well and it helps you to be a better photographer and so on and so forth so if you do something right you can always translate it into into another area again yeah that's actually a good point as well and well we've reached the final question of the podcast which is like appropriately called final question section slash section you know called final words i'm gonna explain what it means basically imagine you have a limited amount of time and in that limited amount of time you could say any message or messages from you a human to another human being and those human beings are people who are going to listen to this uh, in the future to this episode of the podcast it could be someone who's listening to the podcast and they've reached the like one hour and 12 minute mark of this episode and are listening to us now maybe in a week in future months in future years decades who knows you know and so in that situation like the th- the thing about this question is that i never tell people to prepare for anything because i want the raw answers that pop into their head so yeah like, what are your answers okay well the decade thing is kind of like out there so i, I don't know if we can get there but um i think the point where we just ended up at is pretty good that you you need to you need to get something from the art you know um that's like a general thing that no matter what you do um you have to question uh i think a little bit your motivation if if your motivation maybe is to please and that might be other people and that might be when you're a kid your mom and then later your friends and then later on your your contractor but um that's that's uh, it's crucial to understand like your your own motivation as an artist i think because if that motivation is not the right motivation then maybe maybe you should you should break away from it you know because because what we said before you know how do you get something out of it how do you get better and i think with the with the wrong motivation you you kind of always take a risk of not developing so let's say i found a way to please my uh, my boss right so all i have to do now is to repeat that over and over and to keep pleasing him and to keep getting paychecks but it's kind of a stalemate it doesn't really make me any better at one point so even though it might be comfortable it's maybe not the right thing to pursue after a certain point like that's that's something i i think that has also been through our conversation the past hour that is um and and it's something that really i try to live it is that what is not exciting for me as an artist of course that i'm not trying to pursue that you know because i think that if you're not excited about something you will not do your best work and it's kind of not worth it being an artist if you're not going to try to do your best work yeah i mean that's actually a really good note to end this episode on i mean yeah in the end if you're not actually like getting feeling fulfilled what you're doing i mean i'm not just talking about art um 
there's near there's really another point and i know it's it sounds like one of those cheesy motivational instagram posts but i mean after a while it's true i mean you kind of have to at some point even experience it for a little bit on a really minuscule level to get it but uh yeah if it doesn't actually like you know make you feel fulfilled what you do um it's not really easy to get to develop at it and get great, you know, you reach that greatness that your soul desires or kind of like that. I don't know. See, I would say I would agree with you. It's, it's kind of a cheesy motivational speech, but that speech often gets, you know, just wrapped around anything, any job, you know, yeah, you have to do this if you want to be a great engineer and this and that. But I think, especially in being an artist, this is, this is, it's kind of like, at least it's true there, you know, because being an artist is too hard not for you not to be fulfilled with it in, in a sense, you know, why, why do, would you want to do that? You're not getting rich, you're not, you know, not getting uh, famous most of the time. So uh, why do it if doing it does not give you anything? Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, that's actually make you think sometimes all right so thank you so much for joining us for this episode it was it was a total blast it's one of those rare episodes that it just passed the 60 minute mark and uh Great. yeah i'm working for contact you if they had any question is your instagram account okay if i put it in the captions yeah for sure um on instagram it's just my initial with my name it's uh bay baumhauer um and also if you search for for bind the name um like my artist um handle you will also find my my art station profile and also my instagram i'm pretty sure and if you you know as i said before i don't like have a, a million people following me so if you if you <laughs> want to know something from me chances are i actually will answer you all right awesome and it's bind with b y n d i'll put the art station and instagram in the caption so you know you can yeah everyone who's listening or has a question they can easily contact you and thanks again for coming by and thank you to anyone who tuned in and listened or watched this episode i hope you learned something useful when we and we managed to provide some sort of value to you. And if you had any questions or critiques, please leave them in the comments on CastBox, YouTube, or Instagram. Or you can just send me in the DMs of the podcast page. I'll read them all and I'll respond to them all as well. Well, till next episode, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.